Hey everyone, welcome back to another season of Data Driven Health Radio. I'm your host, Dave Korsunsky. On this show, we speak to the experts and break down the technology and the data that is allowing us to measure, optimize, and understand our health in ways that have never been possible before. This show is for the health hackers, the data nerds, the athletes, the execs, the high performers, and anyone looking to take their health and their game to the next level. Be sure to check out our website and our health analytics app at headsuphealth.com and feel free to shoot us an email, support at headsuphealth.com with any comments, questions, or feedback on this show or our app. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and let's get into our next episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to Data Driven Health Radio. Today my guest is Carl Harbick from OPEX Fitness. Carl, thanks for being here on a Friday afternoon. I know we've both been busting our asses all week building <laughs> our businesses. And uh, to take time on a Friday afternoon, we're very grateful to have you and uh, really looking forward to learning more about you and your companies. Thank you for joining us, sir. Yeah, thanks, David. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. I'll, I'll admit I haven't listened to uh, an episode yet, so I'm not uh, not sure the, the hurt, vibe of it, but, but I'm sure... I'm hurt and you confused, know, you know, after, and I'm just bewildered <laughs> that you're not listening this, to the show. After this, I'll subscribe, <laughs> man, and, and jump on and kind of... I've just been so uh, knees deep into uh, the Heads Up app, man, that I haven't, I haven't had time. So Yeah, no worries. We're just really excited to learn more. Why don't we start with, with your company, OPEX, okay. and tell us about with the company that you've built and what you guys do. There's a lot of aspects to it. So for those who are not familiar with OPEX, let's start there. And after all, this is data-driven health radio. So we want to get into some of the metrics that you're looking at with athletes and some of the metrics that you like to use personally. So let's build up to some of the numbers. And for those out there listening who are looking to optimize body composition and peak performance, how they can quantify and potentially also how they can tap into your company as well to get coaching and training facilities. And uh, there might even be some people out there who are interested in, in becoming certified. So let's just start with OPEX. Yeah, just in, in short, OPEX, we're a coaching education company. So we, we actually have a couple different channels in which we educate and coach coaches. And we also coach athletes, and I'll get into that in a minute. But under OPEX, fitness we have our OPEX CCP which is our flagship course and we you know we've coached 5000 plus coaches that have gone through our course and a lot of those coaches actually originally came from uh, CrossFit in the early days because our founder is actually the uh, first winner of the CrossFit Games back in 2007 so yeah that's where the company kind of started up in Calgary in 1999 Calgary Canada yep, Calgary Alberta uh, okay. by James Fitzgerald. He's our founder. Yep. Yeah. It was just, uh, like you and I, man, just a fitness nerd and exercise, uh, was his life, man. And, uh, he's actually from Newfoundland, Eastern Canada. A newfie. And, I'm, yeah, I'm from man. Winnipeg, Canada. So you're talking oh, about you? my okay. people here just for the record. Oh, I lived in Canada for a while. We can get into that later, but yeah, man, he's uh he's a newfie realized that there was no real opportunities out there on the East coast. And moved to Calgary and started OPT, which eventually turned into OPEX. Started that in yep. Calgary, built a great business, opened a couple gyms, was on some cutting edge stuff and training and and stuff like that. CrossFit came out. He was the guy that 
essentially created principles, a principled way of doing CrossFit or what we call today mixed modal fitness. Um, in 2011, moved the company down here to Scottsdale. Uh, we were still OPT for a while. And then we changed the name to OPEX in 2015. And that was a legal thing because <laughs> NASM, NASM actually has an OPT program. So it was trademarked here in the US. And we're, we weren't going to win that at the time. So we uh, changed our name to OPEX. OPEX is way cooler um, anyhow. So it is, know, right? It was yeah, an upgrade yeah, for sure. Yeah. So sorry, back to what we do. So we're a coaching education company. We have OPEX CCP. Um, it's a very long, drawn out process of uh, getting coaches through. And, and we teach them how to deliver individualized, personalized fitness. Based off of that, we also have a gym's license program. And that license program is essentially a, a place for our coaches to practice what we preach because we do have a unique model in delivering fitness based on our exercise ideology and our behavior and our nutrition ideology. And that's just not doable outside of a one-to-one format. And we realized that, you know, personal training isn't scalable for most trainers slash coaches. So we develop personalized fitness and that's what happens inside of our gyms around the world. So we have 65 plus gyms from Crapman, Australia, UK, Mexico, here where I'm sitting um, all over the world. Scottsdale. Uh, yeah, man. So, yeah, so we have uh, OPEX CCP, we have OPEX gyms, and we also have the Big Dogs remote coaching company. So, kind of the where that came from, we used to also coach athletes out of OPEX. Uh, we wanted to focus completely on coaching education. So, we broke that off into a different company, essentially. So, that's the direct so what, training then. Yep, exactly. So uh, we have nine coaches that coach 500 plus athletes around the world. Um, a lot of those athletes are competitive in CrossFit because that's kind of where where we came from. So yeah, we do that. And yeah, that's kind of the gist of, of what we do here at OPEX slash Big Dogs. So let's just go a little deeper on some of this stuff. And maybe you can tell us a bit more about mixed modal fitness. And I think that would be a good place to educate people more on the type of strength and conditioning training that you're offering. Because if I'm going to get as jacked as Carl, I mean, you guys are doing something right. (laughs) So what is it that you guys, I'm sure people are, a lot of people are familiar with CrossFit. So if you can help us understand your, um, your approaches to strength and conditioning, that would be really, really uh, helpful. Cool, man. Yeah, it's it's interesting because we we do have this connection with with CrossFit naturally because we coach a lot of their athletes. And yep. if you were to walk into one of our facilities, uh, it's a more what the market would call functional fitness looking and feeling facilities. But we're not CrossFit, and uh, our exercise ideology is based one hundred percent on a human being's function, what they're able to do, what their goals are, and what they should do for whatever their goals are, whether mm-hmm. that's health and longevity. Sometimes that's performance. And if it is performance, we lay that out clearly to our coaches and clients that that's actually moving away from health and vitality. So we have something that we created here at OPEX called the health continuum. And on one side of that health continuum, it is uh, absolute vitality. Then we have balance right next to that. And then we have elite fitness. And right next to elite fitness is sickness and then death. Right. So we want our people to understand that if you want to be the best in the world at something, that's actually not healthy, right? It's 100%. Like, yeah, you're pushing yourself I'll, outside the spectrum. And yeah. that's fine as long as you contextualize and understand and say, okay, I'm, I'm going to push myself to this level. And I understand that's going to move me out of the range that you would consider optimal 
health because you're pushing towards an extreme. And, and as long as that's understood and, and people understand that that's what they're doing and, and understanding, I, I imagine, where the tipping point is as well, because I'm sure we've all met people who have pushed it too far and done some, done some damage hormonally or whatever the case may be. So you're making that distinction very clear then, if I'm understanding correctly. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, you know, when you ask what kind of strength conditioning we teach or where, where do our thoughts sit on that, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely in longevity as a whole. But we do understand that, you know, if we're sitting down with one of our clients or I should probably preface it by if one of our coaches is sitting down with one of their clients and we have that whole talk with them and they say they want to be the best in the world at something, we say, you know, fuck longevity then, right? But we're on the same page. We're going after performance. So our ideology is we take a very holistic approach to fitness. We take a very holistic approach to behavior and nutrition, but it's all based on personalization. So mm-hmm. it's it's a holistic way. We deliver fitness and, and coaching, let's just call it, just to put all those those things and those different buckets under one term. So we put what we deliver is holistic coaching with principles that back up every single thing that we do. You know, and, and when we started working in the CrossFit world, man, like there's not a lot of principles on mixed modal fitness, right? So we can dig into a ton of research papers on how to build energy systems up uh, on a bike or in the water or on the road running, but we're not going to pull up any papers that show how to do a power snatch into burpees and the pull-ups. And then we're getting on a rower and then we're doing that over and over and over for 20 minutes. And we want to win at that, right? So those are the principles that we've developed here at OPEX. So we're known as like the energy system guys, right? We don't hang our hat on that because this thing is way more than just that. But in the market, that's what we're known at being, you know, the, the smartest company in the country at is teaching coaches how to actually develop each energy system. And when you don't develop each energy system, i.e. you don't need to do anaerobic work if you want to look good and feel good, you should probably actually not do anaerobic work if you want to look good and feel good. Yeah, I was talking to an individual on the show recently, and it was interesting because he would first tell his clients, listen, you're not doing any exercise for a month <laughs> because he wanted to make sure that adrenally, hormonally, physically, mentally, before they started, that they were ready. They're coming out of high stress environments, work-wise, life-wise, potentially already in a depleted energy state. So he wouldn't even start the training. And you know, a lot of people are junkies like me and they're just like, okay, when can I get at it? And he'd be like, I'll let you know. So just starting and making sure the person is ready to build that foundation, I think is super important. So, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think you used the right term when you said junkie, man, because, uh, uh, we work with a lot of those people or we teach our coaches how to work with a lot of those people and we call them cortisol junkies, right? I'm a cortisol junkie for the record. Oh, yeah. I just love yeah. it, man. I always push myself. That's why I'm an entrepreneur and, yeah, and I love yeah. I love the sweat and I love pushing myself too far. But I also recognize that there's been times where I've burned myself out and yeah, it's sure. counterproductive. And I had to make that mistake a few times before. And I was just young. I didn't pay yeah, much mind to it. I didn't know about nutrition. I didn't know about getting good sleep. I didn't know about HRV. This was mm-hmm. before I learned about all this stuff. And I, I took it too far and overtrained and and it took me a while to get myself out of that situation. Yeah, man, we have to respect biology and we have to respect exercise principles that are out there, right? So there is a way to get your fix, let's call it. There is a way to get your fix 
in a way that you can still get that fixed in 10 years, right? But we see far too often in this market that we call fitness where, you know, people are just so, they fiend that fix so bad that they need it day after day after day gotcha. after day and they get it in the same way. Um, and we see it a lot in unsustainable activities, right? That I agree um, with 100%. Like, yep. Yeah, and that's like, there's no longevity there. We just like to kind of say, you know, if you're performing unsustainable activity, how long do you think you can perform that for, right? It's by definition, it's called unsustainable activity. So you can't sustain it for any amount of time without like yeah, putting band-aids on it. 20 years before, and then things start breaking down. Yeah, for yeah, sure. For sure. Yep. I've got a pretty good routine now. I, I have a much more balanced, I'm, I'm in the gym twice a week lifting maybe once a week, depending on the schedule. I made sure I, that I got yoga into my routine once a week. That keeps me injury-free and it really helps with everything, not just in terms of performance, but also injury prevention. And then uh, I also just, uh, I love playing tennis. So that's just my three go-tos right there. And and now I'm wise enough that I know when to take breaks and some of the things yeah. you and I are going to talk about now, but I do a lot of calibration on when I'm ready to train based on data. Mm -hmm. And yeah. That is probably one of the most important aspects to my own personal regimen is knowing what numbers to look at and knowing how yep. to use them to tell me when I'm rested and when I should probably take a rest day. And that all comes also back to longevity and sustainability yep. on what you're doing. So um, why don't we segue into that, Carl? I know that you are testing out heads up, but like if we even just put that aside, when, when you're working with individuals what are some of the numbers you like to look at initially? I know that you look at nutrition information through MyFitnessPal. I know that you're familiar with HRV and the metrics around the Aura Ring, but what are some of the top ones you're looking at when you're helping to assess a program and an individual in terms of where they're at? What are some of the core metrics you like to use? Cool, man. Yeah, great question. And, you know, I'm just going to go to our methodology, right? So, what we teach our coaches here and obviously I practice it or I'd be a hypocrite mm -hmm. is anytime we onboard a client, that's a four step process, right? So I always do an initial consultation. So obviously I'm getting a lot of uh, subjective data from those conversations and yep. asking, asking things around, you know, exercise history and exercise, uh, what's worked for you, what has not worked for you. Why are you here? Right? Like, what are you trying to get out of this thing? And then the same goes for behavior and, and nutrition. What are things that get you up in the morning, right? It's like, what gets you excited? How can exercise actually play into what your biggest priorities are, right? Now let's in talk life. about what those, yeah, exactly. And, and how can, how can what I'm prescribing you in the gym or, you know, in nutrition or just regular behavior stuff that we're going to prescribe, like how can that actually increase your quality of life and make you a better CEO, right? Make you a better mother, a better father, whatever those priorities yeah. are to you, how can we connect? So how do you make it yeah, synergistic we, basically? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's part one of how we would, uh, you know, onboard or intake a mm -hmm. client part two. And this is uh, we call it OPEC body move and work. So OPEC body, we do body composition analysis. So we have a partnership within body We've worked with those guys for a long time. We have a great relationship with those guys. So that's inside of our education. Can you talk um, a bit more we, about that, Carl, for those who may not be familiar? What metrics are you getting from InBody? What is it? I know what it is, but like, just break it down for us. What stats are you pulling off the InBody machine? It's a body composition analysis. 
that you guys use. I've seen the one in your labs, but for those listening, what are some of the initial metrics you're pulling off, off the in-body? Yeah, so the in-body gives us a lot of metrics, but we're looking at a couple of those metrics specifically. Like we're not really looking at intracellular and extracellular water um, and segmental lean mass and all of that. We can get into that, but in our education, we stick to basal metabolic rate. So how much energy are you burning just sitting here talking to me on a daily basis? And that's relative to calories. We look at BMR, body weight, body fat percentage. Yep. And does it do leanness? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Lean, lean, lean mass, mass based mass, on yep, yep. Based on lean percentage. Mass and lean yep. mass. Yep, yep. Um, <laughs> so we look at those four things specifically because when we start to get into nutrition prescriptions and behavior prescriptions, those are some things that we that we look at particularly. So that's our body composition analysis portion of our intake. And then we do OPEX Move, which is a fairly comprehensive movement screen. And by comprehensive, I don't mean we're pulling out the FMS board and we're doing all of these tricks and stuff like that with our clients. We're just looking at every pattern of movement and we're, we're starting to identify in our head exercise selection, uh, yeah. what we want to do with this person, what we cannot do with this person because they are just not able to. 100%. So our pattern, yep, yeah. so our patterns are mo- of movement are the, the squat, the lunge, the bend, the push, the pull, and core exercises inside of that movement screen. So after we do that, then we move to OPEX work. So we have a very simple test that we do with every single one of our clients, no matter what their goals are. And it's a 10 minute assault bike test. And we have thousands and thousands and thousands of data points on that. And uh, we actually created our own body weight converter based on that. And within that, we can get really sexy and use Pinoes and stuff like that. But usually we just throw our clients on there. We say, hey, 10 minutes of work. We explain the test, what we want to get out of it. And we just take two things out of that. We take the total amount of calories over that 10 minutes. Burned? Take, yep. So that it's a metric that the assault bike tracks. So it's just calories accumulated on the assault bike in 10 yep. minutes. Yeah. And then we look at average RPM over those 10 minutes. And there's some more subjective things that we also take note of, like what were their emotions? Were they actually able to sustain an amount of work or did they come out hard, fizzle off? Like, how can they self-organize aerobic work? So there's a lot of really good things that come from that really simple test. And then from there, man, we're, we're transitioning to program design. So now I know who they are, what they want, what I can do for them and that initial consultation. And then I have all of our physical assessment data and OPEX body move and work. And now it's time to, uh, you know, put pen to paper and get these guys uh, and these girls, a a program design written. That's 100% personalized for them. And that's essentially, man, that's, just relative to exercise and program design, that's how we get a client from, you know, walking through the door to training in the gym that very first day is yeah. every client goes through that process. A personalized program based on their mobility, based on goals, based on subjective metrics, history, some baseline physiological markers. And that's where you start. Yep. And then it's a, an ongoing personalized program that's uh, written every single week for them. And it's mm-hmm. a monthly consultation with that client and their coach. Cool. So if we were to uh, take a step down the uh, rabbit hole here and talk a little bit more about personalization, I know that you have mentioned some of the companies out there that are doing DNA profiling for athletic performance. Do you often incorporate that? We're starting to mess around with it, man. We actually had a good relationship with another company. It was DNA Fit. You know, that was probably three, four, maybe five years ago that we were 
taking a lot of our athletes through that and, and getting some insights. But w- what we have to understand about genetic profiling is that doesn't really give us a great picture of where they're at now. If that makes sense, it's, mm-hmm. it's like we can actually change our genes over time, Sure, you know, but it does give us some more information and insight. Let's say I was coaching you, David, and you know, you're like, man, I'm not lactose intolerant. I just feel like every time I eat dairy, I feel a little bit sluggish. My HRV is a little bit down. I don't know what it is. Like I, I, I'm not shitting myself. My stomach doesn't hurt. I just don't feel right. And then I do a genetic profiling test on you. And I'm like, hey, man, you have a predisposition, a very high predisposition to be extremely intolerant to dairy. Yep. So if I had that information and you telling me that subjective information, I would probably pull dairy from you for a little bit and just see yep. how you feel. Right. So I like, I like the genetic stuff for that. And with our athletes, we used to, I'll, I'll talk about what we used to do and then where we're going headed now with uh, our new connection. And I know I connected you with the athletic guys, yep. but uh, yeah, we used to look at, you know, if we, if we had an athlete that was, you know, highly competitive in a sport and we did some genetic profiling on them and they, they came in at, you know, 99 out of a hundred percent on the endurance side. And we're trying to peak them in a power lifting meet, which is, the total opposite of that. Yep. And we're like, man, I just can't put five kilos on this guy's deadlift. And we get that information. We're like, shit, man, we should probably like go run or something. You know what I mean? Cause I don't know if we're ever going to get there based on your genetic profile. So yeah, man, I think there's some really good information, but I, I don't think we've really gotten to a point where we can take genetic information and totally transform the way that we coach people just yet. I think it's great information and it shows some things that maybe would have been, you know, hidden before, gotcha. but I don't think yeah. we're, yeah, I don't think we're there yet. And, and now we're working with a company athletogen. I actually went to, uh, I went to college with the uh, CEO of the company and it was just a weird situation. We, we connect and I'm like, I think I know you from somewhere. And he's like, yeah, man, I was that guy when you guys were practicing football, running around the track and you guys kicked me out of the football facility. <laughs> uh, but yeah, really good dude, man. But yeah, we're working with those guys now and we're actually running a beta with uh, a lot of our clients. And I've, I've done it myself and gone through their education and they're, they're sharp guys, really good company. And we're, we're looking at possibly, you know, creating a partnership with those guys just to have more data on our clients relative to the three main points that I said that inside of our coaching model, whether that's exercise behavior and or nutrition. So yeah, well, we haven't scratched the surface on that yet, David, but I think, uh, I think there's some really cool stuff to come and, you know, I've tested some things out with probably. 20 to 25 clients based off of uh, genetic profiling. And I've seen some, some pretty, I'm not going to call them good results, but I've seen some pretty cool insights into how that thing can be effective. But as coaches, we have to be, and I know we're both metric guys, man. And I know we want data and I know we're talking uh, behind the scenes on how we can get more data, but we have to be careful as coaches with getting too much data that we cannot incorporate incorporate right yep. so it's like you know if i have this dashboard with 100 data markers and they're just sitting on my dashboard every week and i can't do anything with them i think that actually makes our job as coaches a little bit harder and that's why i think what you guys do is so awesome because you guys can you know pull in whatever data we want and what we uh, deem necessary to be you know the opex dashboard and we have the things that we find extremely important and those things are there to make coaching easier more insightful and more efficient yeah man so those are my thoughts on genetics yeah that makes sense i think in my experience with the genetic testing it's helped a lot in terms of identifying how to optimize nutrition 
So I think there's some things you can learn, but I think it, it's also a double-edged sword. You can also misinterpret that data very quickly. And I think there's a lot of people who are making recommendations based off genetic information that, that recommendations, those might not actually be the right course of action because you have to cross-reference it with other information. So I agree with you. I think it can be used for personalization. There might be some places to use it. I also think it can give you information about perhaps why an individual is predisposed to one type of exercise versus another. I know I spoke with one genetic expert on the show and they identified a, a genetic SNP where your body was unable to break down certain neurotransmitters. It just didn't break them down. And the only thing that would break it down is just going for like a two hour run. So people didn't even realize why they loved running so much, but it's because it was the only way their body could break down these, these excess neurotransmitters. There are some insights you can glean from it, but it really does need to be interpreted by someone who has a lot of really good expertise or, like you said, a company that has built the algorithms to do really, really solid interpretation for you. So I think that's a great point on, you know, how we can take that information and actually improve performance. Because, you know, when I mentioned that we used it with our athletes, you know, three years ago or so, and now we're kind of just getting this data from some tests that we put our, our athletes to to determine, you know, where they sit on that power versus enduring curve. But man, a lot of our athletes that came in extremely powerful. And uh, this is relative to like, you know, competing in the sport of CrossFit. It's like being powerful in that sport is not beneficial whatsoever, right? It's like, you know, if I have a 15 or 18 minute test, I have to perform and I have to make all of those really tough contractions aerobic and sustainable Mm -hmm. over 15 to 18 minutes being powerful and, and activating those, those type two muscle fibers is not the way you want to go because those are not aerobic muscle fibers. So what we used to do was we used to beat our athletes up in the morning, uh, with a lot of aerobic work. So we would just call it, we dampen them. Mm-hmm. So we put them through, you know, 500 meter row repeats for an hour and 15 minutes. We'd have them go home, fuel up, take three, four hours off and then come back and hit the test. And they would crush it because they'd be so dampened from the work that they did that they couldn't express as much power that they could in the morning and they would perform better in the aerobic test because by nature they were just powerful athletes right so yeah that is some pretty cool information yeah indirectly you guys are probably identifying someone's predispositions even if you didn't have the data to support it and and designing programs around those but it's cool it's cool to see the data and be like okay cool yeah we're we're going that makes sense yeah continue that yeah man yeah what about heart rate variability? For me, honestly, at, at this stage in my life, that is turning out to be like numero uno. And not just HRV, but also looking at the trends in HRV. And if we really want to get nerdy, looking at the uh, coefficient of variation, which really just helps me look back at the last seven days and not only determine if, if my average was good, but also was it jumping around? From day to day because yeah. if it's shooting up and then plummeting and shooting up and then plummeting you're you're not well adapted to your lifestyle or to your training regimen and, and for me as a business owner and an entrepreneur and just like an athlete it, it all comes down to resiliency and yeah. my ability to get up six days a week and do everything I got to do and work and manage all the people that I need to interact with and come at it with an open heart and being genuine and, and patient and authentic, it all comes down to resiliency, which is ultimately a metric of recovery. So 
How prevalent is that metric in your world? How many people know about it and know how to properly use it? Yeah, man, I think you you hit the nail on the head when you said trends and tracking trends. So that's where we truly believe in, in HRV. We don't believe in HRV as the answer and the end-all be-all. We love it because it, it shows us trends and lifestyle and training, so on and so forth. So for example, man, I've taken, I've taken clients through that have used like the Aura Ring or, or the Whoop or the BioStrap or something like that. I've taken them through. Uh, and these would be competitors like shit kicking training programs, right? And like tracking HRV averages over uh, differences or trends over week one versus week three versus week oh, five cool. versus, versus. So kind of seeing. So you've you know, seen it you, then. Also oh yeah, definitely. A, a so training protocol and adaptation phase. And so, what kind of things do you yep. see over the course of those three, four, five, six weeks? Yeah. So usually we see, uh, depending on what kind of phase it is, right? So if it's a preparatory phase or like a pre-competition phase we see HRV take a pretty good hit week one and sometimes even into week two. And then we'll see some adaptation occur and we can continue to kind of like increase intensity, increase volume, whatever the goal is in that, mm-hmm. in that meso cycle. And we'll kind of see that HRV start to increase as they adapt to the work that they're performing. And if we don't see that HRV increasing, we dial down the training program just a little bit because if you get someone that's not resilient, that will break them, right? Yeah. So yeah, some really good trends we can track in, in training. And then with, you know, more of our executive types. And uh, I see this in myself, man, like when I'm, when I'm hitting it hard at work, right. And like, you know, we're Same we're here. busy. That's kind yeah, of where I'm going with all this. It's like some days you're just, you're cranking work till six or seven, you get your workout in, you get to bed late, you had a late meal, the HRV's in the toilet. So it can jump around just from life and business. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I, when things are, are heavy here, which they are now, we're recreating our flagship course as we speak and uh, that thing's, yeah, that thing's due on the 20th. So in a week and, and we've just been rolling for three straight weeks and I start to see that HRV kind of dip a little bit. And, you know, I woke up this morning and saw like a 60 readiness and I'm like, Holy shit, that's the lowest I've seen it. But you know, I kind of like reflect as I, you know, I think make I my had 62 Carl, like don't feel too bad this morning. Yeah, man. Like, God, it's just not a good feeling, but where it can get tricky, man, is when someone doesn't know what to do with that information because sure. we can't let that affect us to a point where we just shut it down and we hundred percent. Yep. <laughs> we say this day is a wash because because there's some great adaptations that can occur with kind of moving on with your day. You know, it's like, hey, this is a good noticing, but if I let this like affect me mentally and emotionally all day, and I'm so connected to this 62 on this app that it actually affects my life, I probably shouldn't use this. And that's kind of where we go. And that's why I think your guys' technology and your app is so great because the athlete doesn't have to look at that. It's like, hey, you know, wear this thing. I don't care if you ever look at it. I want to see this on your dashboard because I want to see how I can manipulate things, whether that's lifestyle or or behavior stuff or uh, training stuff or whatever it is. And I can also see how much you're sleeping and compare those things and, and yeah, man, your, your HRV is a 60 because you got three hours of sleep last night, right? But I think we have to be really careful in, in not putting this information into or this data into everyone's hands if they're not ready to actually have that data. We have to have a level of auto-regulation in life, right? Like we can't, yep. we can't have A, B, C, D written in our training program. And uh, it's a super intense training session and we see a 50 readiness score and we feel like absolute shit. And then we go in and we're like, man, I have to hit 92% on the back squad. It's like, there has to be some auto-regulation 
in our lifestyle and in our training, man. So I think once we learn how to properly auto-regulate, I think that data is going to be extremely powerful. And it is extremely powerful for the people that have it now and know how to use it. Totally agree. I think for a lot of people, it's hard to detach themselves from a bad number. And that's definitely one of the downsides. So I think you're, you're spot on in terms of just not getting too bent out of shape, too wrapped around it. And there's days where I've woken up after not so great of a sleep and still gone out and crushed it and yep. still made the decision to go train, but just had some expectations. It might not be my best workout, but yeah, there's definitely the, the side of it where it takes some practice to let yourself take that in context and not freak out yep. and just <laughs> go back about life and, and don't get bent out of shape about it. But that's not easy for, for everybody. And one thing I really challenge myself to do is, is to test even when I know the numbers aren't going to be good. Because I think there's a human tendency to not look at the numbers when we know they're going to be bad. And so I, I personally try to challenge myself. Like if I've been out late and had a big dinner and, and had a few drinks with friends, I, I do like to look at my blood sugar numbers. And, and so I, I constantly challenge myself to look at the numbers even when they're horrible and yeah. take them in context and say, yeah. you know what, I'm probably still going to perform great today and go about my business. But I think that's where it comes back to the education and the coach that they're working with to help contextualize it and make sure people are just interpreting properly and it's not becoming yeah, a detractor. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of people that I work with that uh, that were tracking that as a metric on an ongoing basis and I want them to pay attention to it. I always have them score themselves before they look at their app. Beautiful. Right? I want yeah, because I, I want them to connect to that, right? I don't want them to be so disconnected with how they actually feel. 100% And they agree. get so yeah. connected to this app. And yeah. there's some really good learnings that come from that on both sides. You know, when people feel like absolute trash and, you know, they're they're like, man, but my, my HRV says that I'm like 90% on the readiness continuum. And they're like, well, I guess I'm good. Or they're like, man, I feel awesome and they look at this thing and they see that it's at 60 and they're like, and they oh, I guess I can yeah. still operate. Like yeah. I feel good. You know, so there's some good learnings that, that come from that. So what about on the nutrition side? I know that you are doing tracking around macronutrients. So I'm assuming that's part of the, the protocol. And so looking at, for example, macronutrients, calories consumed, cross-referencing that back to what you've designed for the individual. Is that how you're using that information? Yeah. Yeah, man. With Without boring your audience, I'll kind of tell you kind of our methodology in prescribing nutrition, because I think that'll help kind of give some context into when we get to macros. So we we break our, you know, nutrition ideology into three sections. So section one is life, section two is fuel, and section three is person. So in that life section, there's things like, you know, how many poops are you having a day? What are the Mm -hmm. quality of those poops? And by quality, just, you know, Bristol Bristol score. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, how many, what's the size, what's your Bristol score? How much sleep are you getting uninterrupted? Are you sleeping with great uh, sleep hygiene, temperature low, blackout, blah, 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 so on and so forth? Are you not peeing in the middle of the night every single night and thinking that it's, you know, relevant to your water intake when it's actually your hormones are just all fucking over the place. And that's what's waking you up. We look at how much blood flow do you get on a daily basis? We look at a litany of things that live in that life section. And we don't move out of that life section, David, until we feel really good as coaches that people are taking care of the things that they need to take care of in just regular lifestyle 
pieces, right? So it's like, we want to ensure that clients are drinking water before we tell them how much protein, carbs, and fat to drink or to eat. So that's in that life section. When we get into that's fuel, really that's cool stuff, we... Carl. Sorry to interrupt you there, but you no, hit no on you hit on a couple gems, and I just I just want to talk about that more. One is just like healthy bowel movements and the Bristol score. A lot of people don't even know what that is, but that's going to tell you if a person's digesting food properly. I made a joke one time when I was presenting on stage, and they asked me my top ten metrics, and I, I said the Bristol score, and I actually had the chart on the slide in front of a huge audience. And I said, you know, I've reached the pinnacle of my career when I'm on stage talking about poop. But that's a good one. You know, the first real hardcore trainer I ever listened to, he said, Dave, I asked my athletes to report two things. What did their shit look like? And did they have any dreams? What the shit looks like is telling him if the person's digesting food properly. And if the person's dreaming, it means they actually got a good night's sleep and they're recovered. Mm -hmm. So anyhow, I just wanted to hit on that. Digestion, super important. You brought up a really interesting point. I hadn't heard that one before in terms of like urination during the night as, as an indicator that there's some hormonal disruption or other sleep or circadian disruption. So, so that's a point I just wanted to call attention to that I don't think people may have made an association with. So I wanted to just make sure people caught that one. And then just getting that stuff layered on and solid before you even get into the nutritional stuff. I like that framework. Yeah, man, when we uh, when we sit down with our clients in that, you know, initial consultation and sometimes even monthly consultations ongoing, we lay out, you know, what a circadian rhythm chart looks like. Right. And we put times on that and we have a conversation about what do they do inside of their day and how do they feel when they do those things? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and something that comes up all the time, man, is I get this spike of energy at like eight o'clock at night and I feel great. And I'm like, that's actually not a good thing, right? Because if we look at, you know, rhythm and circadian rhythm and, and the ebb and flows of that thing, yeah, you're actually gearing down. Yeah, you're on the wrong side of that thing. Yeah. And those are usually the same people that are like, you know, when I tell them to drink 50 to 60% in ounces of their body weight and, and water per day, they're like, ah, man, but I'm just worried that I'm going to be waking up in the middle of the night and peeing. And, they're, and I'm just like, yeah, let's talk about that a little bit. Usually those are people with... Uh, rhythm deficiencies right and it's like you know what's happening you know when we're sleeping that cortisol is actually taking a hike Um, when that cortisol takes a hike upward we're going to wake up right it's not the pee that makes us wake up and a lot of people don't understand that like Mm -hmm. as humans when we wake up what's the first thing we do we pee Mm -hmm. right so you're actually just waking up in the middle of the night you're not getting uninterrupted sleep because of your cortisol curve that's freaking extremely high at 2 a.m. And then your body saying, okay, let's pee because we just woke up and that's what humans do. And people are like, that's always a mind blowing moment for people. And they're like, shit, that actually makes sense. Cause I'm Mm. like, don't you have to pee really bad when you go back to sleep and you wake up at six and they're like, oh yeah, I do. And I'm like, is it because you drank water from 2 a.m. to six? No, dude. It's just like, that's what we do as humans. We wake up and we empty ourselves. Yeah. I love that. Everything you're talking about just makes a lot of good sense in terms of like getting the foundation in place of of what you've talked about so far. Yeah, definitely, man. From the assessment part of it, getting that framework in place, getting that understanding in place, getting the framework of where the person's at just in terms of their ability to recover. And and you haven't even started laying on nutrition and the training load yet. So you're building up a really good framework from what you've talked about so far. Yeah, man. And then uh, keep going. Then there's there's the nutrition part of it to keep taking us through the life cycle here. Yeah. So we get to after 
as a coach, we feel good about where they're at on lifestyle. And that's not to say we can't still be working on some things within that life section before we move into fuel. Mm-hmm. So I could be working on uh, rhythm with a client and still move into fuel because I feel good about everything else that they're doing. Once we get into that next section, we start talking about food quality. We start talking about food quantity. And when we get into food quantity, that's when we start to look at like, you know, go uh, three to five days of my fitness pal, track your food and let me, let me have a look at that. Right. So that's it's like, great. You know, just a week yeah. of data will tell you so much. Just, just exactly. put everything in there. I don't care what it is. No judgment. Just dump yep. it all in there. Don't worry about it. I'm going to take a look. Yep. And then, uh, you know, from there, if it aligns with their goals and their lifestyle and, and what they're able to be extremely consistent with, then we'll prescribe macros. Right. So that macros are a part of our nutritional prescription, but it's not the end all be all for us. Sure. Right. That's mm-hmm. like, that's like step five, six, seven. And sometimes it's, it's step never with some clients because mm-hmm. that just doesn't make sense and it doesn't fit with their rhythm and, and what they want to do on a daily basis. Sure. So yeah, that's when we're looking at the specifics in, in nutrition. And then when we get up into the person section of kind of our ordering of nutrition, then we start talking about cleanses and protein deloading and all of that stuff where, you know, if we have an, an athlete that's using a shit ton of lactate in training, for months and months and months, it's our best practice to protein deload them and give the gut a little bit of a break, three, five, seven days. Um, and some athletes that are very highly competitive, we near a cleanse them seven to 10 days at a time where we give the gut a real break and we align training with that. We're doing really easy aerobic work or walking, we're cleansing, and then we're kind of getting back into it and we're reintroducing proteins and fats and, and we're rolling. So yeah, it just uh, it all depends, and it's all it's all personalized, man. So we do have you know principles and how we work with people, but once we start getting into the nuts and bolts of that thing, it just, it just depends on what that client needs. And we have a phrase here, man. We we meet all of our clients where they are, right? It's like yeah. I'm not trying to get a client that's not walking on a daily basis to track their macros. It's like mm-hmm. let's start walking first. Hundred percent agree. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So. Anything else you want to share, Carl? We've got a really good understanding of, of, the, of what you guys offer. You shared a lot of really good insights on, on how you address a person before you, you work with them and what you're looking for over the course of the life cycle. Any other areas you want to cover here? No, man, not really. Well, I'll I say think, this. We're excited to be working with you guys, and we're excited about bringing some, some utility metrics into what you do in a way that does meet the person where they're at and doesn't overwhelm them and gives you guys some really, really good data to, to go a little bit deeper. So I'm excited about our partnership. And I'm sure there's some people listening here who may have an inkling potentially to uh, learn more about your coaching services. So maybe you, in closing, you can just, for the audience, just drop a few points on anyone who's interested in learning more about your coaching programs, or maybe they're listening and they're saying, hey, this, this sounds like exactly what I'm looking for. I don't want to be a coach, but I'd like to work with one of your coaches. So how does somebody get started on either of those paths? Yeah. If you're a coach or trainer looking to learn more and, and uh, kind of you know dig into what we're doing, check us out at opexfit.com. We have a lot of options on there to uh, get started. CCP is you know coaches that are ready to, to dive in. Um, mm-hmm. And you know the price tag and the time that we require uh, definitely shows that. So someone that wants a, an introduction to what we do, we have uh, an OPEX programming principles course. So yeah, that's just a course that I made. And, you know, I walk uh, all of 
coaches and trainers that are looking to kind of learn more or just they may not even be interested in ever taking CCP, but they want to uh, learn some really good programming principles to implement with their clients today. Uh, that's a really good course that that we created and um, that kind of intros you to kind of our ideology uh, yeah. relative to program design and energy systems training and, awesome. and the whole nine. So yeah, definitely check that out. Uh, opexfit.com. Follow us on uh, Instagram at opexfitness. And I think that's it, man. So I answer your second question. If you're uh, someone out there that's, that's looking to, uh, you know, get coached by, by a great coach, a professional coach, go to opexgyms.com and uh, you can find any of our locations worldwide. And if you're an athlete looking to compete in the sport of fitness, or you take your training extremely seriously, check us out at thebigdogs.com and uh, get on the phone with one of our coaching advisors and uh, you know, see if there's a coach that's a great fit for you. I take my training pretty seriously, Carl. And, Let's uh, roll, David. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking to take it to the next level. So uh, there's a lot of things I'd like to layer on into my routine. So uh, I may be taking you up on that offer too, sir. Yeah, let's do it, man. That'd be great. Yeah, I'll be a case study. Yeah, for sure, man. And you're local. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, dude. Always a pleasure. Really, really enjoying getting to know you, Carl. Getting to know your company. Starting to do business with you. Thanks for all the great work you do. Thanks for taking time out of your day to share with us. Thanks a lot, David. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you for listening to Data Driven Health Radio. 